0: Welcome to What's Your beef each week we'll introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is beef Australia Hello I'm Jane Cuttahy and this is what's Your beef. Today, we're talking with Alana Ross, a sales and production manager with OB Organic in Queensland. Welcome, Alana. Hi, Jane.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Now, we've got a fair bit to talk about, which is always nice, but I want to talk first um, a little bit about your background. You're now in Brisbane, but um, I understand you grew up on on a sheep and cattle or is a cattle place around Longreach?
1: Correct. Yeah, I I was lucky enough to grow up on a sheep and cattle enterprise out southwest of Longreach. Um, Very fortunate. And and now that I've uh, relocated, my parents retired a few years ago and um, have been living and, and working in Brisbane for a number of years now.
0: Oh good well you're all together that makes <laughs> that makes it a bit easier. Now for a lot of station kids the idea of bush life and chasing cows is is their ideal reality of of a career choice I guess. So when did you realize that you wanted to be beyond the farm gate?
1: Yeah, I think probably started in in high school. I was always very interested in the business side of of things in general, not just on the farm, but beyond that and and sort of what else might be out there. Uh, But if you had have told me when I was in grade 12 that I would have ended up working for an export company and traveling all over the world, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, But What were you doing? What
0: were you thinking about doing just out of interest?
1: Well, funnily enough, I think uh, when I finished school, um, you know, you have to apply for, for a degree if you're going to defer And because I, I chose to defer for a year. I didn't know what I wanted to do and I actually put down a Bachelor of Communications or Journalism, I think it was, and <laughs> gave myself a year to sort myself out. And luckily after that, I thought about it again and chose to study agribusiness at Gatton College, um, part of University of Queensland. Okay. Well, Gutton's a lot of fun. So you uh, you did well there.
0: Um, so now <laughs> you're working for Obi Organic, and I understand it's a farmer-owned business, which you can explain to me is different from a co- or different to a co-op. So they're Australia's oldest organic beef exporter, aren't they? Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So Obi was formed in the 1990s. Um, by a group of uh, farmers from out west, sort of way out in the Channel Country, who wanted to, I suppose, start a company that it's based on cooperative principles but um, is a company in its own right, but as a way to market their product um, direct to the export market to the consumer. So um, they formed that early on and so as part of that was one of the first uh, organic beef exports and uh, yeah, since then have grown and we're now, yeah, got an office space here in Brisbane, still a small team, um, but uh, family farmer owned still and uh, and working off those cooperative principles. So when
0: you say cooperative principles, what what does that mean exactly?
1: So I suppose you could say because we're family farmer owned, our we're very much focused on um, providing benefits back to our suppliers. We tr- do a lot of work. Um, obviously, there's the the traditional buying sense of the cattle, but we try and give a lot of feedback um, to our producers and work with them to not just – be price takers but um, I don't know if that's the right word to describe it but to, to offer something else back to them and, and as well as a good price.
0: Okay right so we, we did skip a bit there you did start to um, tell us how you did get there but I interrupted. So how did you end up coming to work for OB after agribusiness business degree?
1: Yeah so I had a little bit of experience in a number of different roles all in food related roles um, after I left uni but that gave me exposure to different aspects of business. So there was some experience I had there in marketing, in uh, logistics, accounts, sort of the administration side of things, um, chasing debtors, all that fun stuff. And then uh, was fortunate enough to make my way into a bit more of a sales kind of journey and luckily came across a fantastic role, which opened up with OBE just over three and a half years ago.
0: Okay, and in your sales and production, so what does your role exactly involve when you're dealing with, I imagine, a lot of export customers?
1: Yeah, so being a smaller uh, business, we think it's a great idea. I I do too, that... We sort of have that sales and production focus. So part of the role is getting involved with the production side. So we um, contract process um, at an abattoir one day a week. So we will get involved with that, um, every one of us in the sales team, only three. Uh, we will take it in terms of overseeing that production. And it sort of just helps us have that visual uh, right through the chain to have that confidence that when we're selling the product to the customer we've seen it we know what we're doing or what we're selling them Um, and then on the sales side uh, a lot of customer interaction obviously but being a smaller company um, we like to build long-term relationships with our customers in market we export to A number of different countries, um, right throughout Asia, the Middle East, and North America. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) pre-COVID, we would have typically had one of us uh, from the sales team traveling um, every month. For myself, there at one point, I think I went somewhere every month for six months a year or two ago. (laughs) Which is it sounds very glamorous, yeah, (laughs) and a lot of jet lag. (laughs) Yeah. some good um frequent flyer points but Mm. no it it i think what it does is just help us to really solidify those relationships and as a smaller um company it just um helps us give us a bit of an edge uh over your bigger trader kind of uh, groups and and sort of establish those yeah um connections that'll help us in the long run
0: well i guess and help as you mentioned it pre pre pre-covid and um it's certainly going to be a reality for quite some time. Those relationships, have you found that it, it has made your business at the moment run just as smoothly having established and having such good relationships and those face-to-face interactions regularly pre this era?
1: Yeah, it's certainly helped us a lot. I think having those relationships and being able to just pick up the phone or um, WhatsApp, which is very popular in a lot of markets, um, to contact our customers and just get feedback in real time on what's happening on the ground in their market, how they're being impacted, what the demand is doing. Um, so that's that's definitely helped, mind you, since COVID, obviously without travel. That's been a big change for us. So we've had to pivot and now we're doing as I'm sure a lot of other people are doing a lot of video conferences. So it's not quite the same as in person, but it just allows us to maintain that that regular contact and to really um, I suppose get a real gauge for how they're going and, and how we can I suppose meet their needs and what they need uh, from our supply side um, during this sort of challenging and very unknown time.
0: Now you mentioned that you um, contract process, and I guess it is rare that businesses or, or family operations are involved in every part of the beef production process, they're either in the paddock or it's on their plate or it's you know it's, it is a difficult one to be involved for the whole process. Um, where, what are you looking for when you're in a cold room looking at all these carcasses?
1: <laughs> I suppose if looking at it from a sales point of view. To give a bit of overview, we will buy the the cattle and we have to decide as a sales team based on our orders how we want those cattle processed. So we, um, as we know, will sell by the carton. So what that means is uh, every customer might have a slightly different specification um, or a market, for instance, you might have Uh, be selling some ribeye roll to the US or you might be selling it to Indonesia but they'll need their own special packaging requirements um, as well so when we're walking through the um, abattoir on the day of our production we'll be looking uh, to making sure that uh, each of the different primal cuts will be um, being cut to the specification we need them to be for our customers and then um, sort of working with the abattoir to, to be there if there's anything that they need answering on the spot we're there to help them as well so it's it's sort of just monitoring but also um, just helping us get that visual to see oh you know the bodies that came through this week they're a little smaller or they're a little more varied in size to what they they were the previous week and we can have that um information to then go to the customer and give them the heads up
0: i was going to ask because i guess with with organic uh beasts you know we always hear about consistency and quality control and all that sort of thing with organic um every beast is unique you don't often have that complete uh, similarity between the carcasses so how do you manage that with customers
1: it's something that we're always trying to improve from a production side. But from a sales side, I think it's it fits well with that. Um, so when talking about the difference in, say, size or um, in age uh, of the cattle or the carcass when you're selling it, it, it adds to the story that it is a natural product. It It's different to the grain-fed or sort of smaller size farms production where you've got the ability to really monitor the the cattle and and see you know what age they're coming in at um, that sort of thing before they're tracked whereas for us the cattle come from way way out west out past near Birdsville so we'll get the cattle in and grade them the way we need to but there will be variation in the end product but we don't necessarily see that as a bad thing as long as we're transparent and we talk to our customers and say look this is a natural product. We market it as being um, natural, healthy, you know, it's sort of naturally inconsistent, as you'd say, but um, we sort of, yeah, use that to our advantage and just be transparent with that. And, and we find our customers, yeah, are happy with that. Okay. Okay.
0: Now, the beef industry, we have any number of peak industry bodies and, um, and I guess trade partners and all that sort of thing. As a small to medium enterprise or SME, uh, how do you engage with those industry bodies and then government because um, you've got such a personal exporter to, to customer relationship. How do they engage or how do you engage with them and to what, to what end? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, from Obi's point of view, they're obviously involved and or members of many of the industry bodies. And on a personal level, I think it's just about putting your hand up and getting involved when there is the opportunity. I know for myself, um, like with there's Amic, for instance, and, you know, we try and get involved with the committees that they have, um, offer feedback. Um, and I think it's just about, yeah, getting involved. It, it's it's the only way sort of as an industry that we can continue to be competitive is to help each other and there's some fantastic industry bodies I suppose that are doing work to help um, the industry in the way of like non-tariff trade barriers that sort of thing that um, yeah I think I think it's good to be involved in and I certainly would encourage anyone to to get in there and and um, offer their own feedback and, and views on, on things, especially younger people as well. It um, can sort of end up, um, if no one gets involved, then it's the same sort of issues being talked about. But when there's a variety of viewpoints, um, it's always very useful.
0: When diplomatic relationships break down with, with trade partners, and I guess we're seeing that a little bit at the moment between Australia and China, Can anything be done at your level? Like we talked a bit about before the importance of your relationship with your overseas customers or do you just have to really put that faith in the government and the diplomatic process or I guess does that again come back to what you were just talking about is having that really active um, role with industry bodies and that way, you know, you're already sort Mm. of got a bit more skin in the game by default?
1: I think certainly having those customer relationships makes a big difference. I mean, sometimes when a snap decision decision is made um, between governments, that's, you know, we can't always influence that. But having real-time feedback from your customers on the ground can often offer a little slight different perspective or um, help to give feedback as well um, to the people who can influence um, the decisions being made. Uh, Yeah, I'd say where possible then if you can be involved with those industry bodies if you've got that that relationship and you're getting information um on the ground from your customer you can feed that back through to the industry bodies who can help um, influence some of these decisions
0: we've just spoken on any number of different parts of your job then there's so much involved so this what kind of learning curve have you had to, to make coming from an agribusiness degree to go and talking about you know the consistency of carcasses and diplomatic relations and everything else? There's a fair bit of personal development thrown in there.
1: I love it. I think it's a fantastic industry to be a part of, and. Um, I- for instance, with my job, yes, it's uh, predominantly sales and a bit of production as well, but being part of an SME, you get to be involved in so many different aspects of the business. So, you know, we um, get to be involved in uh, the finance side of things, dealing with when you're exporting, you're dealing with different currencies, taking that into consideration when you're selling the product. Um, you've got the logistical challenges, the um market sort of um requirements with packaging and and labeling and that sort of um side of the business as well and you're even down to insurance trade credit insurance or um travel like um export insurance for your goods when they're on the water so it's very i never have a dull day at the office Uh, (laughs) there's there's lots there and always always learning more so Last year, I was really fortunate um, with OB support to um, get involved with a couple of different projects, so all, uh, opportunities to learn. Namely, um, I was went through a leadership course with the Institute of Managers and Leaders, which is amazing. I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, it's, leadership is a very broad sort of topic, but it goes through the different aspects of, you know, Self awareness and self regulation, which then helps you become a better leader, um,
0: and then in- and being a leader too. I think being a leader doesn't mean you have to be, you know, chairman of the board or you know, president of a committee. Being a leader can can work just as efficiently, you know, just as you say, doing your desk job even, you know, or Absolutely. being in the paddock. It, it doesn't always, you know, to sign up for a leadership course doesn't mean that you need to conquer the world.
1: Exactly. And it's not it's not about having a title. It's not manager, it's leader. And you can have a positive influence on those around you in what you can be the the cleaner of the company and still have a positive impact. And to me, that's what leadership is about, is helping others do their best and achieve their best. At the same time as I did that course, I was really fortunate to receive a sort of scholarship to be part of the um, National Farmers' Federation 2030 Leaders Program. Nice. Um, And so that just coincided perfectly. um, And that involved us going down um, and spending time with some people with the ARLF, the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation, a fantastic organisation, and doing a whole lot of very interesting, quirky things they make you do to um get out of your comfort zone quirky I
0: like that word (laughs) yes yeah
1: terrifying
0: quirky you know
1: potato potato yeah absolutely (laughs) so that was great and then sort of just going back to the learning piece um also like they're very supportive I suppose of um continual learning and investing in their employees to to get the best out of them I suppose and I also was lucky enough to do a Harvard Business School online course last year with, um, it was uh, Disruptive Innovation. So I, yeah, and, and another eye-opening thing, I didn't so realise that.
0: Yeah, what came out of that? When you say Disruptive Innovations, um, what came out of that particular course uh, for your industry and your every day?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's one of – to summarise it, it's very in-depth and some of the theories in that are just amazing. Um, but what, it, what the course did was help um, give you a framework to understand um, your market or your company, I suppose, and where they're headed. So if you were to innovate and try something new or adapt – how would you go about doing that and making sure that you were doing it in the right way? Have you analysed everything correctly? Um, so, yeah, to sort of summarise, that's the best way I can um, quickly. But, yeah, a phenomenal course. And, yeah, like, super blessed to be able to have had that opportunity. I don't think when I finished uni that I, I would have been furthering my education even more. And I think that's what I've gotten out of that and the other um, sort of opportunities I had like last year from that learning point of view it's been it's really helped me do better at my job and and understand what the industry is going through and from a different perspective as well so I suppose where I'm going with that is to just encourage continual learning, regardless of whether you're fresh out of uni or whether you're, you know, way down the track and you haven't done any learning in quite some time, um, you know, formal learning, then, yeah, I, I think it, it can never stop learning. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Um. So I guess, well,
0: it's a perfect opportunity. We brushed on it before, but if you were to turn up to um, a grade 12, you know, school tomorrow, a heap of grade 12s at a school tomorrow, and talk about career opportunities in the beef industry, How? what would you say to them?
1: I would say that if you want variety, <laughs> <laughs> try the beef industry. Mm. But I would also just encourage people as well that nothing is wasted and there are so many complex things. Um, I suppose, jobs and opportunities out there, so many exciting different um, avenues you could look at exploring for a career in the beef industry because you've got that whole supply chain there and and even if you've had nothing to do with beef specifically or even grown up on a farm, you could still get involved if you're, you know, really interested in the finance side of things even or marketing. Um, well, I was going to you know, say, so
0: what do you think surprises young people, uh, kids, I don't know, um, about some of those roles because, you know, marketing, finance, scientists, agronomy, like there are just any number of different ways to come in. It isn't just that lovely romantic image of, you know, stock men and women on a horse and after a long day kind of thing. So what do you think is the biggest surprise or that sort of, you know, a half moment with some of these younger people?
1: Probably... The variety, but also it it can be what you make of it. Like you can have the romantic fun side and growing up on a farm. There's a lot to that side of things as well. Um, but it's also a serious career and, you know, you can do go far and you can do really well uh, choosing a career in ag in general and, of course, the beef industry as well. And just going back to I wish someone had told me when I was younger as well that nothing is wasted, just get in there and try everything, you know, and the only way to know is to have have a go and if you don't like it, try something else. What do you
0: think are the biggest issues or, or disruptions or challenges for the beef industry in the next five to ten years? You've done enough courses that I know that someone's asked you about this in the last little while. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's easy to focus on, there's so many challenges at the moment that are very immediate. If I was to think more broadly, more generally, not just for the beef industry, but for a lot of industries, but if we were to consider beef, then obviously the global population growth is one of those things that's talked about a lot. And I think it is something that would be possibly one of our biggest threats or challenges, but Also, one of our biggest opportunities as well. I mean, obviously, with continuous population growth, there's more mouths to feed, and Australia is really well positioned to do that with our fantastic beef production. Uh, On the flip side, I think it's a challenge because with more people comes more scrutiny.
0: And social media and that sort of thing comes in as well. It's not just scrutiny by the experts, it's scrutiny by Everyone with a keyboard.
1: Exactly. And everyone's obviously getting more and more connected. So I think there's already a lot of really good work happening in this space in beef and in ag about getting our story out there and connecting. And so I suppose that's, we're headed in the right direction. We just need to keep going and keep pushing.
0: Now, doing a little bit of research into this episode, um, you your name has popped up with, with mental health awareness, I guess, in the rural industry. And I know that it's something that's quite close to home. But, um, you know, I, 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 well, I am a bit older than you and I guess maybe what mental health in the workforce or the agricultural industry means to me might be a bit different to you. So what... What does it mean to you when someone says mental health in in agriculture?
1: The concept of talking about mental health is slowly becoming easier, especially in the ag industry. Typically it's been one of those, those topics where there's a lot of stigma attached but I think those barriers are starting to be broken down. Why do
0: you think that is? Is it people just willingness to be more candid or there are quite a few young people who who can see the benefit of being of talking about it and making it more aware?
1: I think probably there's just been more and more people affected by it that in turn there's been a lot more people um, making it their life's mission to get out there and and improve yep. that awareness mm-hmm. and and so I think we're on the right track. I, I think now is probably like as we're breaking down this this barrier, this stigma. Then now's the time for education. So it's it's really good that we're starting to get the word out there and that you know reduce the stigma. But now we need to be proactive, I think, and sort of educate ourselves on it. So, for instance, mental health. It's it's not. Um, Necessarily a bad thing. Everyone has mental health. It's on a spectrum, right? So, you know, you might have really good mental health, you might be medium, or you might have poor mental health. But everyone has it and everyone needs to look after it, like they would look after their physical health.
0: Mm. So when you say to be more proactive, that's education about the issues or um support, or what do you what do you exactly do you mean?
1: So in, in every aspect, I suppose. So you know, understanding what it is and and how to deal with it. And even from a workplace point of view as well, Um, you know, there's some great programs you can go through as a workplace even now to help. Um, It's called under the banner of mentally healthy workplaces. And I know even OB has gotten into that in the last um, little while as well. We have a mental health action plan. So that's just about I suppose in our own individual context, so any business could do this, is to go through, there's a bit of a structure and a program, but to have an action plan is to, to consider your own circumstances and your own staff and and um, improve awareness that, you know, we all have it and that um, to lead by example and to, to share your own stories and to open up a bit. And, the, and the, the people's
0: ability to deal with situations is a sliding scale. What is, you know, very difficult for one person is not the same for the next and that you don't necessarily have to go through a horrific trauma or drought or floods or, you know, a, a personal tragedy to be affected.
1: Exactly. It can affect anyone. It does not discriminate. And it's funny I'm actually sitting in this recording doing this recording I'm sitting in um, my husband's podcast room he but <laughs>
0: well, you're more professional <laughs> than me even Dan Alana. <laughs> I'm in my school room
1: <laughs> oh it's it's funny he yeah so he has a podcast which actually focuses on talking to people um who just about their own mental health journey and if for anyone interested in I'm sure there'd be a few forty listeners, Darren Lockyer was one of the ones on the podcast so nice. um but for it's just an example of how you know it, yeah mental health poor mental health doesn't discriminate, and everyone goes through it, and I suppose, yeah, I just encourage everyone to start that journey of educating themselves about it and and talking to others about it as well, okay, now look, we're here.
0: For Beef Australia, I have good word that um, this will be your first Beef Australia event, which is very. I'm excited for you, Alana. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> how how are you planning your event? What are you going to be doing um, there for the for the actual event?
1: Oh, I'm very excited, actually. I'm um, because Obi's been a part of the the events quite regularly I believe so Mm. this is my first opportunity to attend as you said.
0: Take good shoes, good walking shoes, don't wear fancy boots.
1: I've heard good things and I'm really excited just to get involved in everything. Last time um, I wasn't able to go but my colleagues did and I remember being very envious about all the events they were going to and listening to the speakers that um, were lined up to speak and The networking events, Uh, yeah, I'm keen to just get involved in everything.
0: So you're not going to be stuck um, behind, you know, uh, you're not going to be stuck behind a stand for the whole week. You've got opportunity to get out and do your favourite thing of learning and absorbing information but being a bit social too? Absolutely, a good mix. Lucky (laughs) thing. Now I have asked every person that's come on to this podcast uh, over the course of time uh, what your favourite beef cut is and i guess you know you you spend quite a chunk of your time selling selling meat post farm gate and know your way around a carcass so when you're at the butcher on a wednesday night what what are you getting absolutely getting
1: a rump cap ooh
0: explain <laughs> what are you going to do with the rump cap
1: i just think it's the best cut it's you can roast it it's delicious or you can really thin slice it and sort of teppanyaki grill style have it yeah it's it's a win for
0: me. I really love how quickly you answered that. That was there was not an ounce <laughs> of hesitation about that at
1: all. Well, I get asked that question a bit, funnily enough, and uh, yeah, I I know I'm I'm yep. It's I've definitely thought about it.
0: <laughs> you really have. Whereas I sit here and then go through like five different things, going, "Yeah, that'll be too good." Oh no, that'll be. Oh no, hang on, <laughs> I need leftovers, uh, and then get excited about five different things. Well, look, Alana, it's been absolutely terrific to have you on um, What's Your Beef today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jane.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it.
0: No problem at all. And we look forward to seeing you at your first maiden voyage to Rockhampton in 2021. I look forward to it. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners, Thanks to the Australian Government, Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.